Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people. Welcome to our show. Anyone who want to learn more about B2B marketing programs, welcome. Today we are going to discuss more about long-term buy-in, how you can create your buying persona, cover sales funnel, and many other things. Davian, how are you? I'm great. I've never gotten such a fancy intro before. I'm feeling even better than I ever could have expected. Yeah, it's my team. I usually tell them I need something short, but creative that's cool to have great people who understand your mind because i have no time to describe what i want to get i just tell them i have this nice speaker i want to learn more but please create something unique stay stand out from the rest yeah it's marketing you know you need to be creative scratch it from my brain please Yeah. Okay. Please tell our audience more about you and anything that can help them to learn more about David Bremhal. Yes. So I am a B2B marketer practically by birth. I've been doing that my whole career. And I think, you know, I've served every, pretty much every role along the way. So from, you know, community manager to producer to manager, director, and then a C, uh, VP and then CEO of Animals, which is a content marketing agency. What's been cool about that and what I think has become sort of my superpower is having seen marketing programs from both sides and learning about the challenges that you know, the marketing team faces and then executives and uh, face as well in sort of understanding how marketing works, how it can benefit, et cetera. So um, right now I host a podcast called Don't Say Content with Margaret Kelsey, where we (laughs) uh, have rants uh, about marketing. And yeah, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. I finally... I finally bit the bullet and bought a domain because basically I was forced to, but I, it's not live yet. (laughs) I'm taking my time because I swore when websites don't matter anymore, but now I kind of need one. So (laughs) LinkedIn is nice or the podcast, follow the podcast. It's really good. We, we go, we're like the people who don't have any, have any cares or I try not to swear any, cares to give anymore and we just say whatever we think and what's technic what's actually going on behind the scenes in marketing while no one else is talking about it so lots of spicy nice 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 yeah uh david i want to ask about challenges you mentioned that you can help with these challenges and i remember when i started my digital journey i didn't have a lot of challenges i have them but not a lot because uh competition was low yeah, yeah. Uh, we created content days. for yeah for search engines <laughs> and Google ranked well all this content. Uh, I even didn't hire a lot of people, you know, because uh, uh, one person could write content, submit, uh, promote m- m- many things. Today I have a team of specialists. One can write, uh, the second can edit, the third can. Uh, draw design, you know, uh, to submit content from content managers, web developers. Yeah, today it's complex. So can you tell me what kind of challenges we have today in B2B and your tips how to find the right way? Oh, boy. Uh, Just challenges generally in B2B marketing right now. Uh, Well, I'd say currently we're struggling with budget and team size, which is due to the current circumstances surrounding tech that I'm not going to go into because we all know about. So I find that challenge to be both familiar and exciting because that's how I grew up in marketing. And, you know, in the, in the old days when I was <laughs> growing up, you know, uh, we didn't have any resources. Usually you were like a one or two person marketing team and you didn't have any money uh, and you had to figure out a way to do your job and, you know, perform. And so I, it forced me to get really creative. I think that was the days of the more full stack marketers where you had to be a little bit of a coder, a designer, 
a brilliant writer, strategist, email marketer, social media manager. And you did, and it was fun. And like, you kind of, you know, so, uh, but I think now, like you're saying more folks have been brought up as specialists and we were kind of going in that direction. And now suddenly with, you know, a ton of layoffs in our space, we're going in an abrupt reverse direction where folks now have to kind of be, take on more marketing roles uh, and, you know, per person. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know every, you know, I think it's sort of a relearning of what we sort of came into. I would say the other challenge is the same old tactics aren't working the way they used to. And so the things that are like community building are harder to measure and therefore harder to get buy-in for, but ultimately are probably your best bet. And so I think that's a challenge now and is going to only increase as more and more marketers try to incorporate community building into their strategy. That includes, you know, using micro-influencers at the company, enthusiasts from the community, et cetera. So um, that's going to be an uphill battle. I'm not really sure how they're going to handle that. Uh, yeah. Oddly, that is a strategy that is convenient for the right now because it doesn't cost a lot of money. It just takes more time investment, but um, that's going to be tough to prove to all the executives who've gotten used to measuring content marketing, like performance marketing, which you shouldn't do anyway. So uh, yeah, those are two of the biggest ones I would say, um, right now. Nice. I kind of yeah. wish I was in it cause I kind of want to go in and be the person solving those, but also <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Awesome. And by the way, today is the best time. If you have no money, you can get organic reach, you know, and if you can't hire a great team, pay attention to priorities. Don't cover everything. Choose one channel, stick with that, uh, become the best. Then you can hire the team yeah. or even to find someone who can create content with you. For example, like right now we have a podcast. We cooperate, you know, in that way. I cooperate yeah. with Jeff Coyle, with uh, Mike Phillips, uh, Lily Ray, many other great experts. So if you can provide some benefits to others, you know, to tell them about the right partnership, you can get results. So I think the best time today, you know, to get organic reach without money and organic reach works better than paid marketing if you do it right. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many more channels available. You know, I think I've been talking a lot about a media first strategy, which is not the same as building a media company. I want to be clear on that. Uh, it's just using all of these media platforms to grow an audience around or grow community around uh the sort of space that your brand operates in. Um, and because a lot of those are sort of new, especially the B2B space, not as many people are using them, there's a lot more opportunity there. But you brought up another challenge, which uh, is definitely uh, a big one, which is you spoke about picking one thing and then doing that to show results. But a lot of problems that I've seen at companies, large and small, is marketing teams that are treated more like um, mini agencies within the company and they don't have as much ability to prioritize themselves because they get requests from multiple yeah. people and departments. And that's a tough one, especially when the company's larger because it's hard to, it's harder to make that change. If there's multiple departments saying, I need this, I need that. And you're like, I don't have the power. Like I'm not high, I'm not above you. Right. Um, and I think that can hamper a lot of people, a lot of marketing teams' performance. And it's invisible, right? So it's like the Cinderella problem, right? It's like, well, when you finish sweeping the floors and, you know, washing the windows, blah, 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 then you can get to the thing you really want to do. But that, of course, never, never happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mentioned that uh, I usually tell my team, please uh, create promo uh, for podcasts, you know, and I don't limit them uh, with some strict, yeah, of course, I limit time because um, people are coming to learn something new on podcast. But I tell them, please do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, just be creative, and creativity is very important. And Devin, I wanna share a short story about creativity. Uh, Lloyd Richards published a book eleven years ago, 
and he spent 14 years to write a single book. Yeah, uh, for me, it's hard to imagine how to write a book for 14 years. You know, it's more than a decade, but he did it. After publishing this book, uh, he couldn't sell for a long time, you know, for 11 years. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, he got some random sales, but he couldn't sell, I mean, like uh, to, to become bestseller. Then his daughter posted content on TikTok about this book from an account with zero followers. And this video became viral. Plus 50 million people watched this video. I watched this video, of course. I want to know how to get plus 50 million people, you know, <laughs> to watch your video. But, you know, uh, and what I watched on this video, it's not nice looking design, you know, but it's creative, you know. It's really creative. Uh, she could share a short story about a book when offer spent 14 years, you know, and uh, people loved it. And yeah. today this book is bestseller on Amazon. So I'm interested about creativity. Can yeah. you tell how to become creative in marketing, especially today? Yeah. With AI, we need to be creative. Any tips about that? Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that question. I actually think it's easier to be creative than people think because most of being creative is just finding something that doesn't already exist and is also interesting and compelling to people. And I sometimes wonder if folks think that it's something that you just dream up and put out there and then it works. And that's like that 50 million followers immediately. Oftentimes there are many uh, things that you've tried before that, that didn't work. And yeah. then finally you found the formula that caught on and you kept repeating that over and over again. Uh, one example is a friend of mine, her sister, uh, runs a restaurant, uh, and a brand out of Austin. And she started posting recipes on her Instagram. She had like no hundred followers, you know, like nothing. And she was posting and you can look back early in her feed, slightly different changes in the formats. Like, you know, there's just little tweaks here and there. And all of a sudden it just takes off. Like, you know, there's 20,000 likes there's, you know, going up and up her follower count goes from like no hundreds to 100,000 in, I think it was like six weeks and it kept mm -hmm. going, but she tried a bunch of stuff first. And I think that's where creativity lies is trying things. You know, when we, when Margaret and I put out, don't say content, our creativity was in identifying the two things that set us apart. One, we've been in this industry forever and we've made a lot of friends. We've been good to the community and they like us. Right. And we've done a good, we've done a good job. Um, and the second thing is we chose a podcast format that isn't common in the B2B marketing world, which is we decided no guests and we weren't going to talk about tactics. That's creativity because immediately it stood out and like it performed. We barely promoted it. And the thing has grown, uh, I think season one to season two, 30%. Season over season, we got an inbound sponsor after the first season. Like, you know, so that's creativity. When, you know, I've been playing with TikTok and doing these like weird videos just because I'm trying to figure out what do people like. And, you know, so that's creativity is not a light bulb. Creativity is not always something flashy. It's not always something that even you are going to like. It's what other people, what resonates with other people and gets them to engage with it. And so my tip is be weird, try stuff. Like, don't worry. Just like, don't even just do whatever comes to your mind or whatever, suggest, like try stuff, play with the, whatever platform you're on and just keep trying until you find something, lean into that a little more, see how it does. And, um, and don't worry so much about what it's going to like what it's going to do. I think if people played more, they'd find more creativity. But there's often so much concern about, you know, oh is this going to work? Is happen? We do this fast. It's going to you know, yeah. right now and like I get it. That's B2B marketing, but I think the only way you're really going to find creative stuff is if you take the time to experiment.
Nice. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, uh, it's part of the process. Patience and consistency, you know. Yeah. If you are, yeah, and I remember another story about Mr. Beast. He posted content for 18 months to get the first thousand subscribers. Yeah. yeah. Today, I don't know how many <laughs> he has, but plus 100 uh, million. Uh, and yeah, it's growing. Uh, PewDiePie posted 100 videos to get 285 subscribers. Not a lot. And yeah, today he has plus 10, uh, plus 100 million as well. So yeah, and uh, you need to be patient with results. And yeah, I agree. You need to learn, to test, to fail. I, I fail yeah. a lot. Oh, I, I always fail. You know, when I start something new, I always fail. I remember when I started PR. You know, I, I wrote a bunch of press releases. I pitched all of them and got zero mentions, zero results, nothing back for me. Then I learned the process, how it works. I learned and I hired right people who can write press release. I hired people who can pitch them. And we got mentioned on CNN, Forbes. But I never do it without failing many times before. Because yeah. if you know the process, you can go ahead. So, yeah, I agree. And can you tell about how to be patient, you know, because I see when people are waiting for 100 likes, 1000 likes, you know, but uh, I know some people, they couldn't get likes for six months. <laughs> they posted, 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 but uh, nobody cared about this content, but they didn't give up. So can you tell how to stay patient with this results? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, just, you know, listening to what you were saying just before, I really wish that especially marketers or creatives of any kind would just stop reading playbooks, stop reading blog posts about how to do anything in marketing and just go try to figure it out. And I think they would be a lot more successful that way because they'd be leading from their own brains and not from like sort of conforming to what everyone else is doing for the sake of speed. I think you might get a few more likes doing that. But I don't know how to address the patient's problem because if you, I guess there's two different categories. I'm a solopreneur. So my patience is on me. And I find that if, and I do obviously ha lose patience sometimes I'm like, ah! but if I can take a step back and treat it, just remember that I'm playing, remember that I'm learning, remember that I'm experimenting and focus on how I'm feeling about it. Am I having fun? What am I learning from it? Um, that helps a lot to just keep doing it. As someone at a company, unfortunately, you don't really... Extracting that patience from your boss and then your boss from your CEO is incredibly difficult because most companies don't understand still uh, how marketing works. And I think especially, as I mentioned earlier, as we have more tools to measure marketing activities, there's this sort of expectation that, you know, you put some in and you get, you know, exponential out like performance marketing, but that's just not, even performance marketing doesn't work that way. <laughs> but yeah, at least at the start, you still have to like, you know, tweak the controls. So um, that's a whole other thing that has to do with um, a lot of inside politics, gaining trust with your executive team, you know, leveraging evidence and data of some kind, um, getting in trouble a lot, probably. <laughs> um, you'll <laughs> probably get fired inevitably at some point. I definitely did. Um, so it's, yeah, that one's a, that's a challenge, but I say for yourself, just look, you've got a goal to hit, right? So when I started working for myself, I said, okay, this is the amount of net revenue or net income I want to make every year. And this is how many hours I want to work to make it and worked back from there in terms of what I was doing. And I gave myself you know, through until the end of 2024, um, to achieve it. And what I found was having that goal ahead of me gave me constraints that kept me moving forward, but also 
oddly gave me patience because I was like, I know I, you know, I know what I'm working towards and I'm excited about it and I'm getting to do all this fun play stuff in the meantime. So I was so distracted by playing that, you know, I, I wasn't a, even about patience. I just wanted to keep playing and doing so. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think you, you, I think you highlighted the words fun and excited, you know, <laughs> you know, if you don't enjoy the process, you don't need to do it. You know, and I see when people learn from best practices, for example, the best practice, you need to film short videos. If you don't like it, probably you're good with writing, just write, you know, many great people can get results with writing and don't force yourself to the format that you don't like. It's like watching TV. People can watch TV six hours a day. <laughs> You know, it's the same with creating content. You need to find the format that you like. Record podcasts, uh, film videos, write, uh, short content, long content. Don't force to the best practices. Be yourself yeah. and enjoy the process. I think, yeah. yeah you, you... What? At some point, everything you're doing right now didn't exist. Everything on those best practices didn't exist before because, you know, that update to Instagram hadn't happened yet. And then before that Instagram didn't exist. Right. So at some point, whatever is like best practice now didn't exist until somebody tried it over and over and over figured out something about the algorithm or just saw success. And then other people did it and it kept working. And probably there's a mix of algorithm adapting and back and forth, et cetera. But nothing exists or nothing has existed forever in content. So like, yeah. Wouldn't you like to be the one that finds the new thing or a new thing? And wouldn't it be better if it only works for your specific industry that your company operates in so that you kind of like corner your own little market uh, of marketing tactics? Like, you know, and I get it. Most of us have to report to a boss and especially marketing, a lot of the, the people they're reporting to uh, if you if you're lucky enough to have a marketer that you report to, um, you know either they have a boss who doesn't understand, or you're working for a boss who doesn't understand. So, you know it's hard to take those risks because there isn't usually an environment available. But I'm yeah. on the side of like kind of trying to push that as much as you can and just get fired more. It's fine. I was fired yeah. twice, and I was CEO of a company. I made them like almost twelve million dollars. So. I think nice. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, you know, I think marketers can destroy best practices. All marketers, we destroy channels. You know, for example, uh, remember when Gary Vee told about uh, email marketing, he got plus 99% of open rate in uh, like 20 years ago. Is that but true? Today, Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, he told many times about that. Uh, he, he started email marketing when uh, most companies ignored this channel. No, um. uh, yeah, like in 2000. And uh, he sent all these emails and he got uh, open, open rate plus 99%. He mentioned a few times about that. Today, it's literally impossible because people get plus 100 emails every single day. We have no time to read all these emails. And for example, Google Ads. Uh, I remember when I started my uh, Google Ads, I paid for click five, 10 cents. Today I need to pay five, 10 dollars because marketers destroy all these channels. You know, all channels are destroyed <laughs> because, you know, if you can get great results, uh, everyone is, is going there, you know. For example, Amazon was the biggest investor in Google Ads uh, 15 years ago. Amazon invested a lot in Google Ads because Amazon found the way how to get customers fast. Today, when you need to pay for click uh, 10, 20 dollars, yeah, it's all channel. It's hard because marketers destroy this channel. We do. We ruin yeah. everything. Margaret and I were talking about that one day. We're like, oh, we make every, like we destroy everything by making, or maybe it was Ashley and I, we, we, we make terms for everything that kind of ruins it. You know, we can't just call the thing what it is. We're just like, oh, we've got to call it like 
inbound marketing or it's like <laughs> why did we have to like why does everything need a name and we're just yeah. and the funny thing is we're naming the same thing over and over and like pretending it's new like uh what was it <laughs> i think it was <laughs> i'm sorry i can't I can't not laugh whenever I say this. Okay, the dark social. And uh -huh. <laughs> Margaret and I were talking about, we're like, I think that's just word of mouth. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. why do we have to call it dark social? It's so weird. It sounds negative. Like, just call it word of mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Side note, I, when I was my first tech job, I worked as a community manager at this company called SpringPad. They were a personal organization app. And I worked with Gary V when he was doing the wine library and every wow. week I would have to, he would send us a like video and I have to talk to him about like whatever the wines were and we put them in. It was sort of a partnership we were doing with him, but those were the days of like scrappy videos with like not great mics. And he was like sitting in this like random conference yeah. room with someone talking about wine, kind of getting drunk on the video and just <sighs> my, yeah. those are my old memories of Gary who's now. He's yeah. got like inspirational videos all over YouTube. So yeah, you know, you know what I see in him. For example, all podcasters have uh, great microphones, but Gary V uh, can post content from conferences. When you, it's hard to to hear anything from that. But uh, <laughs> people wanna value. People wanna this inspiration. You know, he can inspire. You know, a lot. I I love to listen to him because. Yeah, well, he can think, inspire. About, think about what he pioneered, though, because he really yeah. like he's this kind of like, I'm just a, I'm just myself. I'm not going to perform for you. I'm not going to pretend to be something else. I am just myself. And guess what? That's like that's a like that's the trend right now. Right. No more of these polished videos. No more of this like fancy editing, like go for a walk and hold your mic up here, like sit on the toilet, whatever. Like those are the videos. And that's the style, like no makeup, um, you know. So it's funny because like that's who he's always been. And now this sort of like real human unpolished self is uh, more of what people are interested in. Yeah. You know, it's interesting about Gary Vee because he doesn't say anything new. For example, if you read a book, uh, Jack London, uh, from Jack London, Martin Eden. Yeah. About a guy uh, who decided to become a writer. Uh, he didn't have any education, but he worked hard. He was persistent, you know, consistent, perseverance, many things. And he achieved great results. Awesome book, you know. And, uh, for example, Dale Carnegie uh, wrote a book about uh, personalization, about knowing your audience, about be yourself. And Gary Vee shares, it's, I don't know, people didn't change. Technologies change, but people are the same. Psychology, the same. But Gary Vee knows how to transfer this data, how yeah. to tell when people want li to listen to him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I listen a lot, but uh, uh, I think uh, he can inspire to do something that, yeah, that's foundation of human psychology. <laughs> David, yeah. I wanna, yeah, I, I wanna ask about uh, vanity metrics. You know, if you are talking about B two B marketing, I see when companies chase uh vanity metrics like likes comments shares traffic but uh, I, once i spoke with a master who lost 400 traffic because google dropped his ranking positions mm. but he didn't lose any sales so uh, i usually tell i don't care about traffic okay if i get a million traffic uh if i can't sell my products why i need to have this traffic how it can help me so can you tell how to choose the right matrix you know in your uh content creation process yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on the type of company that you are, right? That was one of the first questions that we would ask, um, you know, when we were at Animals, if we were taking on new clients, it's really important to understand how their buyers um, find community and seek information. So that's, you know, let me just give you an example to illustrate because this will be way easier. Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine who works for a company that sells into property owners, uh, residential property owners. Um, they sell a software that helps them do that better, manage the whole rigmarole better. 
And he asked me about, you know, he had some questions about marketing. So, you know, he was asking, he was giving me sort of the state of things and, you know, what should I do? And I said, all right. I asked a lot of questions, but the most important one I asked was about who these property owners are, what their demographic is. And I said, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that your buyers are not Googling to find information because these property owners are old and they probably don't use the internet very much. And just the industry, the rental industry in general is still very uh, analog, which is why you're seeing so many more of these startups come up over the past several years. And he said, yep. And I said, all right. And I'm also going to guess that this isn't going to be true for much longer, five years, maybe between five to 10 years, because the next generation of property owners are about to be, you know, and they're absolutely going to use Google to get information and create community. So if I'm the person running marketing at that company, I'm coming up with a plan right now that has nothing to do with SEO or like social media, you know, if this like 50, 60 year old property owner who's like still, you know, barely, you know, using his cell phone to like text and call. No. So I think that's sort of the, um, that gives you that will, that leads to your metric. Right. Um, and so for them, I don't even remember where those people aggregate, but I'm like, you're probably going to conferences, you're probably, you know, trying to get people together, getting phone numbers and doing some more of an account-based marketing plan with them. Thus, your KPIs are going to be around, you know, for each effort. Conferences is going to be, you know, how many names you collect and then, you know, how many leads you send into the sales team, et cetera. So, um, you know, in general, though, thinking of like a B2B startup, which again is going to vary a lot, I think you need to break it up it ostensibly you're right. Traffic doesn't matter. Um, when I worked at help scout and traffic was my KPI and I achieved said KPI, um, if the other parts of the funnel aren't functioning correctly and aren't set up correctly, that traffic can go nowhere and lead to nothing. So, um, I think that like, and also just, you know, we had a post that got, I think a hundred thousand visits per month. And it was about the psychology of color. So none of the types of people that it brought in were useful either. So, um, I think if you're a small or a small marketing org at a tech company, uh, your KPIs are probably going to be around bringing in the right kinds of traffic, more engagement. So like, how are you, you know, maybe it's, uh, send how much, um, how far into the site you're sending them. You're like, okay, we bring them in here, but our goal is really to send people to this page because that's our like highest converting page, et cetera. So like I would kind of be a little more specific if if I was starting with traffic about um, am I bringing qual- more qualified traffic and are they spending time on, the, like, are they going a level deeper? And then what my, whatever my conversion metric is, get them into the newsletter, get them to book a call or something um, download, a, a an asset of some kind. Um, I think that's more useful, but, um, for bigger teams, it actually does make sense for, or it, it, there are instances where it makes sense for part of the marketing team to focus on traffic. Um, and that's kind of more the help scout model where we had a robust, like we had a top of funnel, mid funnel and bottom of funnel team. And that worked, you know, we worked together to, uh, sort of, bring, I don't, I don't even like using funnel anymore, but unfortunately that's what it was back then. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, I hate to give the, it depends answer, but I would say (laughs) traffic for traffic's sake, obviously don't do that. Um, engagement on platform, you know, whether it's a social media platform or elsewhere, I understand that that doesn't necessarily lead directly to sales, but marketing's job isn't to go from zero to sale. And therefore, sometimes engagement on platform is important met- an important important metric. And traffic and bringing people to your site and getting them into your newsletter, that is important. You know, um 
And I think that that's partially where like marketing strategy has broken down is because we keep trying to cater to these, you know, oh, well, if you're doing this thing and people engage with it, it doesn't count. I'm like, how does it not count? How does, <laughs> if you are trying to build a brand, why would people engaging with your brand not count? Right. And yeah. so I think there needs to be a better, there needs to be a reset among executives about what marketing is supposed to do and uh, an acceptance that the metrics aren't going to look like you put a quarter in and a gumball comes out. It's like, no, you've got to, you know, build the thing to put the gumballs in, et cetera. So um, I know that's a terrible, like, I'm sure people want like, well, this is the one metric that you need to, but it's like, no, that's not the game. Because guess what? If you're selling to developers, your metric, depending on the type of thing that you're doing and how you're selling it, like, you know what I mean? It's not, and some companies don't need that many, don't need a, like a ton of traffic because they don't need that many leads. They only need to sell, you know, there's only 150 companies out there that they could sell into in the first place, right? Um, and so I think it's really more about the question you're asking. Who am I selling into? How do they get information and create community? Um, and then creating a plan and a set of metrics around that and getting your executive team to agree on those metrics. Yeah, which yeah. It's also a challenge. <laughs> Yeah, valuable. I think, you know, when executives uh, know marketing or tried marketing, they can understand why you do it, you know. And uh, I remember a great tip, uh, yeah, from Seth Godin, probably, yeah. And uh, he wrote that salespeople need to spend time in marketing and marketers need to spend time uh, in sales department. You know, you need to feel it. And, uh, yeah, it concerns... Uh, any executives who can spend time in marketing to understand why we need to do it, why it's important, you know, to build community, to uh, think about top funnel, medium funnel, not only bottom funnel. Yeah, yeah. Or the journey. I like a journey better because it's not like, I don't like the idea of like funneling people. It feels weird. Uh, but it's like, okay, figuring out the journey that people are on and where you can help them, right? You access them by helping them in some way. And, you know, I think honestly, I hate saying this, but actually I don't because I'm going to say it anyway. So uh, people just need to think for themselves. Like think for yourself. Use your own independent brain on your own independent problem. And the answer is right there. I'm not like a genius. I just like Look, I'm like, you know, I asked this guy a bunch of questions. I was like, okay, so you're working with a bunch of stodgy old guys who like don't use the internet. Here's a guess that was like actually not that hard to formulate, right? It's like, just get to know the people you're trying to sell to and the answer and the strategy and the metrics are there. Yeah. Nice. The most important, nice. but the hardest thing is just, you know, getting other people to get on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Valuable, valuable. Uh, yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Devin, I want to ask about your experience. Uh, what I found in our company, for example, uh, usually get great results with customers who understand uh, SEO. Uh, and for example, if they understand why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, why we need to think more about traffic value than getting more traffic, you know, m m many things. We speak one language. and uh, uh, But if they don't understand, I tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray. Jeff Coyle, Chelsea Alvis, Mike Phillips, uh, go to Google, YouTube, just learn. Get the basic how it works. Uh, I think it's the same like if people want to lose weight. You can hire the best expert, no, the best specialist ever. But if you don't know why you need to drink water, a lot of water, uh, uh, to train time to time to, yeah. Don't eat as things. many calories as you burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know about that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, you need to do something before hire anyone. And uh, let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. You didn't cooperate with Gary Vee. You didn't do anything in marketing. It's your first day. So what will you do today? to start learning about B2B marketing from scratch? I probably Google it. <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm at net zero, if I'm at, if I'm at zero, I don't have a marketing job. I yeah. want to get into marketing for the first time. I'd probably Google it. <laughs> I read a bunch of shitty content that comes up. 
start to, I mean, that's literally what I did while I was doing my job. This is why it makes me laugh so hard when people get all bent out of shape. Now they're like, Oh, I had to like try hard or like, I can't, you know, you didn't tell me how to do my job first. I'm like my Kings and Queens and whoever, like none of us did. I remember, I remember. So at SpringPad, I started off a community manager. It was really more, it was customer support. And I wanted to get into content marketing and we already had a content marketer on the team, small company, hard to move up, but I was able to get myself into that position. And I had no idea how to like, I didn't know how Facebook worked for business. Like I didn't manage our, that account. I didn't know how our email marketing tools worked. You know, I was, I wrote amazing blog content, but like, didn't know anything about SEO. I was just like a great writer and really good with our customers and the community and the product, et cetera. But I convinced them to let me do this and that I would be good at it. And I just used to sit there and, you know, like go through, yes, I read all the best practices because like I'm learning from scratch. So it kind of gives you some shape to this thing that you're trying to do. And then you just go experiment. So I started with, okay, what are the best days and times to post? And I posted at those days and times. And I, you know, formatted my Facebook posts to mirror what they say works, you know, write the thing. And then you, you know, this was back in the day when there were weirder formatting hacks that you could do. And, you know, then I would see what worked. And I think that's, you know, you have to start from somewhere. And so even if it's not the best, Googling it, getting some awareness. I know a lot of people have done like the HubSpot certification and there's many more now that is great. Um, And those seem like a great idea too. Uh, I generally don't have the patience. I've always found that just doing it, like learning, doing, learning, doing, learning, doing is way, way more effective at helping me learn than taking a course or because courses are great and there's many great ones out there, but like, you know, the problem you really encounter never fits exactly into the thing they taught you. You're like, Oh, I had just like one. I was trying to figure something out on TikTok recently. It took me a dumb amount of time, you know? And that's like not something that was in the guide or whatever. Um, so I would say, and also people learn differently. So Some people love reading business books, for example. I can't stand it. The number of people who quote the same guys to me over and over again who didn't have an original thought is, you know, I learn more from my peers and by doing things. So, um, you know, I think if I'm somebody else, I'm Googling. I'm either watching videos, listening, reading books. Uh, But if I want to get good fast, I would be executing a lot. Yeah. And execute on yourself. Why not? How fun is that? Who cares? Worst that can happen, <laughs> nobody pays attention. Best that can happen, you surprise, create a brand around yourself while you're trying to learn this thing. And guess what? That's going to help you get a job. If you could show someone that you were fucking around and <laughs> grew an audience somewhere, they're going to be like, wow, that's amazing. Can we hire you to do the same thing for us? So Nice. Awesome. I, I love it. I love it. David. I'm going to cut this uh, uh, small episode, how you shared about that, because I couldn't agree more. hundred percent, you know, it's like, for example, I can read a hundred books, how to play soccer, how I can become a great soccer player, you know, to compete with Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, because these guys prefer to hit the ball 10,000 times a day than to learn a few books, (laughs) how to play soccer. And it's the same everywhere. Uh, I agree. You, You need to find your loving format. You can listen audio podcasts, you can read books, you can learn uh, like Gary Vee. He reads uh, comments on social media. He doesn't read books. He mentioned about that. But he yeah. reads a lot of comments. He mm-hmm. found the way how to learn about human being. And I read, I read fiction. Mm-hmm. I, always, I yeah. read fiction. And that is giving me some of my best ideas as a leader, as a marketer. It's helped me understand people better. Strategy, um, especially like fantasy ones that are about like, war and strategy and all that so i'm like oh and leadership you know it's like wow that i picked up a few (laughs) things while enjoying myself reading a book oh wait there's one thing i forgot on that learning question copy 
-hmm. in the beginning, it's totally fine. Don't copy ideas or like, you know, verbatim, but copy styles. If you see a video style that you think is cool, copy that. Copying is a great way to learn in the beginning. As long as you're not taking original IP, but like there's, you know, template, you know, there's types of things in every format that work. Copy the way someone else writes an SEO post. Copy, you know, just practice that way. That's a great, it's a surprisingly great way to sort of figure stuff out um, because you're basically just applying something that someone else did. So it gives you a little bit of parameters and then hopefully you'll learn and then break the wheel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah, I copy always, you know, when I start, I copy. But then you have experience how to do it differently, do it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And exactly. Then, you can learn the wheel before you can break the wheel. Yeah. I have the final question about the future. You know, uh, many things are coming. We have today AI. It's not trend. It's a regular tool in most cases. And... Uh, Apple is going to launch this headset. I don't know what kind of difference with just smartphone because, you know, we still watch to the screen, you know, so I think it's the same. But I think technologies are growing fast and we need to consider them in marketing. So I want to ask you to take your crystal ball and let us know about what kind of future you see and uh, how we can adapt today to this possible future. Sure. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the headset because I remember being at South by Southwest in 2018 and those virtual headsets were all the rage. I put one on. It was like such a big deal. They're like, this is going to change everything. And it's five years later and they're still too expensive to go into the mainstream. They're clunky, et cetera. So um, you should listen to Scott Galloway talk about this. Um, but uh so yeah, I, I think it seems like a lot is changing really fast. It does. It seems like with AI, um, our, the ground is shifting beneath us. And there are ways in which it is. It is making aspects of content more of a commodity. I would say that's not a bad thing. Um, and, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's um, starting to disrupt industries a little bit. I would say if you if we were to all zoom away from the hype and all the people on LinkedIn talking about it ad nauseum and the media reporting on it, we'd find that day to day, uh, overall, the impact is still quite small and it's going to take some time to shake out. So uh, what I see in the next like, oh God, this is such a hard question. Um, probably the next five years is like, sure, we're going to see a further sort of, um, decentralization of community. So instead of being the, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, it's going to be, um, there are going to be many more communities. I mean, obviously threads is leaning into that, but I think, you know, uh, going to be smaller, more robust communities, which means that marketers are going to have to adapt to a lack of efficiency. And so will companies and they'll have to figure out how they're going to budget for that. Um, and I don't have the answer, honestly. Um, but you know, it's going to take, you're going to have to, we're almost the thing that I keep thinking about, honestly, and this is probably isn't going to make a lot of sense to some people, but it's like, we're almost going backwards. Like the technology in our space is, has evolved to the point where like, we're going back to the beginning where we just talk to each other in small communities and nerd out about stuff. And we actually go back to IRL and we have these text threads. Like, I feel like it's sort of, um, it's evolving backwards in a good way because all that, all the stuff that made bots work and, you know, made all these like, you know, people who would just post the same thing on every platform that doesn't work anymore. And that's great. And I think that's part of, you know, what this decentralization of platforms is doing, what all this, like people getting angry all the time. I think it's actually leading to something better, which is people wanting, um, leaning into their, what they want specifically. And that's going to be chaos for marketers, but it's also something I'm really excited about. 
Um, obviously, AI is going to be a huge helper. I think it's just, I think once we can get over how it changes the marketing role, we're going to find that it actually enables marketers to have higher level roles than they used to. If you remove the producer, what's left? A strategist, you know, someone that leverages AI to try more creative experiments to see what works. So I think it could, once we get over ourselves about like, is this going to take my job? Oh my God. We're going to be like, holy shit, there, we could be on the cusp of a ton of creative innovation, right? Where like, there's just, everybody's trying stuff because they have more time because they've got these tools that automate certain things, you know, et cetera. So um, I think that plus decentralization, plus, you know, adding, having media be a more prominent part of marketing strategies, those three things together, holy shit, I can't wait to see what happens. That's yeah. going to be, that's going to be cool because guess what? Playbooks don't work in that scenario with those three things. They're just not yeah. because it's going to be different for every different type of product and community and industry. And those marketing conferences, like marketing conferences now are super boring. But man, when I when you go to a future one where everybody's got a different type of story that isn't regurgitating the same old tactics in different ways, woo, I'm bringing the popcorn. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I think uh, AI will take the job if you have time to complain about that. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the people you... who complain about new technology are always the losers, right? They're yeah. going to lose because they're so precious and fussy. And, you know, we, we operate in an industry that changes constantly. Like there is yeah. no con constant in tech, the tech industry. So it's like, if you weren't used to that coming in and you didn't expect that coming in, you should go do something else. For yeah. sure. Yeah, 100%. David, it's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you. I love this episode. So valuable. Yeah, so You're fun. great. This is really fun. Yeah. Tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. <gasps> yeah, uh, LinkedIn's your best bet for now. It's just Devin Bramhall. And uh, look up Don't Say Content wherever you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. And... Uh, have a listen if you want more <laughs> spicy, spicy takes. Plus Margaret, who's a good balance for me. <laughs> nice, nice. Guys, you can find the link to LinkedIn account in the description below. I recommend to anyone to subscribe to Don't Say Content podcast. You can see it's not boring. You know, most content are boring, but you see, David is another story. It's It will be <laughs> excited. I'm going to subscribe to listen a lot more, to learn a lot Thank more. I'll... I love it. And guys, thanks a lot for listening and watching us. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.